0: Awesome. Thanks, you guys. Well, my name is Ellen Schaub, and I have the privilege of being the elementary kids team director here at Antioch. <laughs> <Woo-hoo>! Go kids! <laughs> I serve on the best team ever with Angela and Nancy, and it is such a joy to be here with you guys today. Man, every Sunday, the kindergartners through fourth graders gather up in the chapel and we have a blast. We play a bunch of fun games, get discipled by our amazing kids team, we memorize scripture, hear from the word of God, and get to respond to Jesus ourselves in worship and interact with him. And man, Jesus is on the move. He is speaking to us, revealing himself to us in new ways, and it's an honor to be a part of it. If you see me walking around church with a really tall guy with a big smile, that's my husband, Nathan. He's the best. We met during kids' ministry, fell in love during kids' ministry, and are still doing it today. <laughs> Definitely a calling on our lives, for sure. Nathan's been spearheading our Club 57 group for our 5th through 7th graders. We got some in the room. They are going deep in the Word of God, asking hard questions, and finding out that no matter what the circumstance or no matter how hard the question is, God is always good. And that's who he always is. We love being part of life at Antioch Dallas. When we got married and moved here, you guys welcomed us in so quickly. Shout out to the Reynolds Life Group, really um, becoming some of our favorite people in Dallas and getting to know parents as you drop off your kids and our awesome kids team. It's a joy to be a part of this body. We have really fallen in love with Jesus here. You guys know him well and you worship him well um, and you guys have introduce, introduced us to him in a new way. Through uh, SOT and being in Life Group and just week-to-week community here, we are so thankful. So, kids, you guys know what time it is. It's time to check in, right? So, there's going to be two voices speaking to you guys today. One is my voice. I'm speaking audible words to your outside ears, but you have another set of ears, right? Inside ears. And someone's trying to speak to those today, too. You guys know who it is. The Holy Spirit, right? So as I say words to your outside ears, it might connect to something in your life or it might make you uh, think of, of something that's going on with you or it might give you an emotional reaction like to laugh or cry or feel really compassionate or really motivated, or it might even, you might even see a picture of yourself doing or saying something uh, that you wouldn't have before, that's the Holy Spirit. And even though I'm saying the same set of words to everyone's outside ears, the Holy Spirit has something different to say to every single person in here. That's amazing. That's why we ask you to check in so you don't miss it, okay? Are you ready? <laughs> We're going to pray. Jesus, thank you so much, Lord, that you're here you're in this room. Holy Spirit, you love us. We could never understand how much you love us, but would you give us a a new glimpse of who you are today uh, as we talk about you and as we listen to you? Holy Spirit, would you reveal yourself to us? We want to love you, and we want to obey you. Would you show us your voice today? Would you speak to us today? Holy Spirit, we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen awesome. Well, today we're going to tell a story from the life of Jesus. It's in Matthew chapter 14. But before we get to our section, I just want to set the stage for us, give us some context and see who Jesus is before we get to the real part we're talking about. So kids, you guys know this story. We talked about it recently. So I'm going to ask you some questions and you shout it out if you know the answer, okay? So do you guys remember John the Baptist, Jesus's cousin? At the be- yes, awesome. <laughs> so, at the beginning of chapter 14, John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, actually gets arrested and then put to death by King Herod. So, Jesus hears this news that his cousin is dead at the beginning of chapter 14. So,. Um, Jesus is God, but he's also a person. Sometimes we forget he's a real person. Like he can feel emotions. He can feel exhausted and weak and and grief. So imagine how you would feel if you got the news that your best friend was dead. You would be heartbroken. You wouldn't know even what to do with the sadness that you're feeling. So that's how Jesus is reacting. He's like, I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't I don't know what to do with all these feelings. I just need to be alone and be sad with God. That's a great way to react. When you feel sad, just take it to God and process it with him. So Jesus gets all his disciples, and they get on a boat together, and Jesus is like, let's find the wilderness. Let's go somewhere far away. The Bible says he's looking for a lonely place. So they all get in one boat Remember that piece of information. One boat together, and they all go across the Sea of Galilee to Bethsaida. It's kind of a wilderness area, it's miles away from any city. So Jesus is going to try to be alone. Well, what has Jesus been doing this whole time that he's been on earth uh, before all of this happened? What's he been doing with his disciples? healing people. He's been doing amazing things, right? Anyone who's sick, who Jesus touches gets better. Um, He's been telling people about this love God has for them and the kingdom that he's going to bring to earth. People love to be around Jesus and something amazing is going to happen anytime Jesus is here. So there's crowds of people trying to find him. So, and I don't know how they found out where he was going because they didn't have Find My Friends or Instagram to stalk his location, but somehow all these people figure out Jesus is going to Bethsaida, we're going to go too. Bring all your friends, and in fact, bring everyone you know who's sick. So crowds of people start heading towards Bethsaida, and Jesus, remember, he's sad, he's weak, he wants to be alone. He, the boat gets to Bethsaida, and what does he see? Thousands of people. Thousands of people. It says over 5,000 people were there. That's like More people than go on a Sunday morning at Watermark, okay? So that's a lot of people. And they all get this. They all need something. So Jesus is like, oh, over here, look, my mom or my friend, you know, my sister. Come help. Come touch my friend. And Jesus is just trying to be alone, right? He doesn't want to talk to anyone, much less, um, you know, help a ton of people. If I had been Jesus in this situation, I would have said, turn this boat around. (laughs) You know, I'm going to go get some me time. Once I get refreshed and filled up and something to give, then I'll come back. But that's not who Jesus is. The Bible says he looked at those people and he felt compassion, on them and his love for them was bigger than the feelings that he was feeling himself so jesus got out of that boat and he went from person to person and as he touches people his life and his goodness is just flowing out of him and he's giving himself away to you and to you and to you and the bible says he healed everyone not one person did he skip on his lonely day to be sad and be alone so, that takes hours. There's thousands of people. And so now it's kind of getting late. And the disciples are like, "Okay, two things. One, you still need a break. You haven't gotten a break yet. And two, um we're out in the middle of nowhere. So remember, it's miles away from any town, and everyone who got there walked, right? So the disciples are like, great healing service, Jesus. Man, that was powerful. Good stuff. Let's send everyone away so that they have time to walk and get to the nearest town, get shelter, get food before it's completely dark outside. It's a reasonable thing to say. So how does Jesus react to this? Does he say, yeah, sure, I'm tired. This has been a great day. I've given a lot of myself already. That's enough. Send him away. Is that what he says? No. What does he do? Who has food in the crowd? Anyone? Just one little boy, right? So there's, there's one person in the whole crowd who has food, and Jesus is not done giving himself away and taking care of these people. He never sends anyone away hungry. Think about that. He's already done plenty for these people. He did not have to do more. He says, I'm still giving more and more of myself away. So this one little boy gives Jesus his food, and Jesus feeds who with it? One person, two people? 5,000 people. He feeds with one little meal. Kids, what you have to offer is more than enough. Don't believe the lie that you have to wait till you're older for God to use you. We need you now. So um, Jesus gives away all this food and all 5,000 plus people eat. And then the Bible says there are 12 baskets of leftovers. I love this detail. Um, So everyone, think about your Thanksgiving dinner that you just had. Mine is on the screen, coming up on the screen. We ate an awesome meal on Thanksgiving. I was together with all of Nathan's family. It's a big group, and we did some work on some Thanksgiving dinner. We ate a ton, and there were awesome leftovers. I mean, praise God for Thanksgiving leftovers, but there were not more leftovers after dinner than there was food, right? That doesn't make sense. We start with a lot of food, we eat some of it, there's some leftovers, but there's never more leftovers than there was food, right? So Jesus, he's just so good. He's like, this is just a cherry on top of all the other things I've just done for you. I'm gonna give you a meal, the first and only meal of all time where there's more leftovers than there are dinner just to show you I'm never done giving of myself to you. So he's gotten this terrible news. He wants to be alone. He sees these people, heals them, feeds them, takes care of them. Now it's time for him to do what he came here to do. So we're gonna read from Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. And it's gonna be up on the screen in the International Children's Version. This is what we love to read from. Okay, Matthew 14, 22. Then Jesus made his followers get into the boat. He told them to go ahead of him to the other side of the lake. Jesus stayed there to tell the people they could go home. After he said goodbye to them, he went up alone into the hills to pray. It was late, and Jesus was there alone. By this time, the boat was already far away on the lake. The boat was having trouble because of the waves, and the wind was blowing against it. Between three and six o'clock in the morning, Jesus' followers were still in the boat. Jesus came to them. He was walking on the water. When the followers saw him walking on the water, they were afraid. They said, it's a ghost, and cried out in fear. But Jesus quickly spoke to them. He said, have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. So let's pause here for a second. There's a lot to say. This is an amazing passage. But what I want to point out is, remember, they all got to Bethsaida in how many boats? One. And now Jesus is sending the disciples away in how many boats do they have? So you've got to imagine that the disciples were so confused, right? So we just got here, and now you're telling us we're going right back where we came from, and we're in the only boat, so you don't have a boat, you don't have a plan, you don't have a way to communicate with us. I mean, good luck, right? Hope we find each other again. (laughs) I'm sure that the disciples who were Enneagram Ones were not doing well with that plan, (laughs) But so not only then, they get out into the middle of the lake, and it's dark, um, it's late at night, and they don't have Jesus with them, and then this storm hits. So uh, they had to be like, Jesus, why did you send us out here in the middle of nowhere by ourselves? Couldn't we have just stayed in Bethsaida? Like, couldn't we have prayed too? No, for some reason, they're out here in the middle of the lake by themselves, and it's a storm. Uh, I found a video on YouTube of a fishing boat in a storm, just so that you can get an idea of what this would have been like for them. Wow, that's scary, right? The disciples must have felt like they were close to death, like any time a wave comes over that ship, are you kind of wondering if it's going to come back up again? yeah, so. When um, this was happening and they saw someone coming towards them doing something clearly impossible, walking on the water, I'm not surprised that they thought it was a ghost. I bet they thought, okay, this is the end. But Jesus, and this is so cool to me, he doesn't even say his name. He just says, it is I, and they recognize his voice. And you heard that video. It is loud, the wind and the waves, and Jesus is far away, far enough away they can't recognize his face, but they still recognize his voice. They have been spending a lot of time with him. They know who he is. So I, um, I want to invite you guys that knowledge of Jesus. Oh, this is gonna blow away, okay. Uh, that knowledge of Jesus is available to you. If you spend that much time with him, you are gonna get to know his voice so that no matter what is going on, something absolutely crazy can be happening and you can still recognize that's Jesus. He's talking to me. So his sheep know his voice. Okay, uh, let's move on. Uh, Matthew 22 or 14, starting in verse 28. Okay, awesome. Peter said, Lord, if that is really you, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. And Peter left the boat and walked on the water to Jesus. But when Peter saw the wind and the waves, he became afraid and began to sink. He shouted, Lord, save me. Then Jesus reached out his hand and caught Peter. Jesus said, your faith is small. Why did you doubt? After Peter and Jesus were in the boat, the wind became calm. Then those who were in the boat worshiped Jesus and said, truly, you are the Son of God. Wow. Okay, let's hope these don't blow away again. So, this is amazing, huh? When I look at this story, I can see three possible locations that you could be when a storm is going on. So, option number one is the first thing that happens. Peter walks in victory over his situation. So I know if you've grown up in church, you've probably heard this story before, and it's easy to revert to like felt board version of the Bible, like, oh yeah, and then Jesus walked on water. It's great, it's all normal. This is not a normal thing (laughs) to happen, right? I don't want us to lose the wonder that he reached out his foot and stepped on the water and it held his weight. That does not even make sense to me. I can promise you a million dollars. If I had been in that boat, there is no way I would have stepped out of the boat and put my weight on the water and just expected it to hold me up like that. In fact, to demonstrate just how crazy a faith this is, I'm going to ask my friend Eli to come on up. We've got a little um, demonstration over here, if you guys can see us. So we've got some water right here. And I'm just going to ask Eli, do you think you can stand on top of this water? No? (laughs) Are you going to try anyway? Let's just try anyway. Put your foot on. Oh, oh, foot straight through. Okay, maybe if you just balance a little, okay, maybe it'll like harden up under you. No? (laughs) So just try again, just try again. Take it up and put it down and maybe it'll just hold you up. Uh, nope. (laughs) Eli, is it possible to stand on top of water? No, he says. You heard it here first. Good job, Eli. Thanks, Eli, for helping me. Okay, so not only, though, they're not just standing in a tub of water, which we already proved is impossible. You saw that video. The waves are, like, moving. They're going fast. Like, Jesus and Peter are pretty much surfing without a surfboard (laughs) on top of the water, balancing, and the water shouldn't be holding their weight anyways. Like, this is unbelievable let's talk for a second about the authority that God has over the water. There's actually a lot of Bible verses that talk about God standing on the water. We're going to put a few of them on the screen for you just so you can see. Job 9 verse 8, God alone stretches out the skies and he walks on the waves of the sea. Whoa. Back in Job, God promised that he could do that. Uh, Exodus 15.8 says, Just a blast of your breath and the waters were blown back. The moving waters stood up like a wall and the deep waters became solid in the middle of the sea don't pretend to know how that science works, but somehow the water became solid. Maybe Jesus is standing on a little solid portion. I don't know. Who knows? Then at the very end in Revelation, it says the angel was holding a small scroll open in his hand. He put his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. It's a cool imagery right there. So, we can maybe understand God created this whole world and everything in it. He made the science behind how things work and he set it all into motion and he lets it operate the way he intended it to. But he also has the power at any time to step in, intervene, flip science on his head and do whatever he wants in this world. (laughs) So maybe we can wrap our minds around Jesus walking on the water. But this is crazy, how generous is it of Jesus and how loving and honestly how humble that Jesus would invite Peter, just a normal person like you or me, to come and share in the authority and the power that Jesus has. He is not just showing off, look, I'm God, look what I can do. He says, that's not what he came here for. He came here to invite us into what he's doing. So he says, if I have victory, you have victory. If I have authority, you have authority. I am giving it away to you. And Peter, like one minute ago, he thinks he's going to die. He thinks these waves are going to kill him. Then the next minute, Jesus shows up, and now Peter is like owning the very thing he thought was going to kill him. He's like standing on top of it, and they can't touch him. Matthew 28 says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. And what does Jesus do with that authority once he earned it for us on the cross? He turns around and shares it with us. He wants us to be a part of what he's doing. Do I need to explain to you the metaphor here? (laughs) Whatever you are walking through, whatever storm it is, God created this whole world and he has the power to do anything he wants. So if you feel like you are drowning or you are uncertain, I might be, you know, I don't know what's gonna happen next. I don't know what to do. Jesus can extend his hand to you and give you the authority that's been given to him and you can walk On top of your circumstances with Jesus, but the key is faith. You have to get out of the boat in order to see him do that through you. And Peter's faith was pleasing to Jesus. Can't you see him laugh, like, okay, Peter, you want to? Come on. (laughs) That's awesome. So, wow. But I bet that some of you are thinking, okay, great victory over circumstances, I don't always get victory over my circumstances. Like, sometimes that's not what happens to me. I can have all the faith in the world and I still don't see the outcome that I wanted. Jesus knows that. And in fact, that's the very next thing that happens in the story. So Peter takes this incredible step of faith and is walking and just owning his circumstances and you've gotta know, in the back of his mind, his number one fear is to what? sink, right? He's like, great, this is awesome. I hope I don't drown. I hope I don't drown. I hope I don't drown. And then what happens? He starts to drown. His worst case scenario starts to come true, right? And where is Jesus when Peter sinks? He's right there. He grabs him, and he pulls him out of the water. And when Peter was walking on the water at first, right, it must have been a little wobbly, a little shaky. I'm kind of nervous. But Jesus, Jesus is never going under. So he's probably more safe and more secure being held there by Jesus than he even was walking on the water on his own, right? I have a, a story of a time in my life when Jesus caught me, Um, About this time last year, Nathan and I got into a car wreck. We were actually on the way to church, and we were in someone's blind spot, and he didn't see us, and he swerved into our lane, and we crashed, totaled our car, and the Lord was good to us. And everyone in the car was able to walk away, and he provided for the car that we lost, But a lingering effect of that happening was, for me, fear when I was driving. If you guys have ever been in that situation where you've gotten in a wreck and then you get in the same kind of place where you were when you got in the wreck and those memories come back, that was happening for me, but it was every time I was in anyone's blind spot, which is kind of impossible to drive in Dallas without ever passing anyone or, or being in a blind spot like that. But that's kind of how I was operating. I was, I was just crippled by fear of this happening again. So I would be on 635, you know, I'm never going to pass anyone. I'm never going to change lanes. I'm just going to stay right here. That's an ineffective way to drive in Dallas. <laughs> so I needed deliverance from this fear, and I was praying for it. And one day, I was driving and I was getting ready to pass someone and I was like clinching the steering wheel. Like, Jesus, please don't let me get in a wreck. Please don't let me get in a wreck. And he said to me right there, he said, Ellen, if you get in another wreck, am I still good? And he took me back in my mind in that moment to when we got in that wreck in the first place and he showed me where he was and how he was directing our car to spin exactly the right way so we wouldn't get hurt and how he was providing for us already. A new car was already in the works for us and then um, how he was good to us through that whole situation and we got to know him more And, and I realized Even if the thing I fear most, my worst case scenario in this situation, getting in another wreck, even if that happens, he's still there. He's still good. He said, Ellen, it's just a car. I can replace it, I can take care of you. I'm always going to be here. So, what were Jesus' very last words to us? The last thing he said before he went to heaven. Can anyone remember? It was a promise I am with you always, to the very end. So you can be facing anything, any sort of trial or trouble or sickness or financial pressure or be afraid for your life or or be fearing the worst outcome possible, my worst case scenario, and even if that happens, the worst outcome is the one that comes true, where's Jesus gonna be? With you. Always, he's gonna catch you, that's what he promised. So, let me look and see Do you have this picture of Jesus? Do you understand who he is? Who That he is gonna be there and he is gonna catch you? Let me tell you this. Your situation, whatever it is that happens to you, does not define his goodness or his feelings towards you, his love for you. Your your worst case scenario could come true and God still loves you. It's not like, oh, I'm just going to forget about her. I don't care about her anymore. His love for you never changes. I mean look at Peter. Jesus was right there, and he was encouraging Peter, and he was calling Peter out, and he was like, come on, Peter, you can do it. He loved Peter. He cared about Peter, and he still sank. I mean, it's not about, Jesus didn't say, oh, I don't care about Peter. Who cares? We'll see if he drowns. Sometimes the waves are just big, and it doesn't define who he is and his care for you. And I want you to have this confidence in who Jesus is. We've seen how good he is. He's the one that put aside his grief to care for people and give of himself over and over. He's the one who came rushing to his disciples when they were in danger and then invited them in to share in his power and his goodness. He is a good God. And I want you to believe that deep down in your heart. No matter what happens, he is good. So if you are struggling with that, and it's very understandable if you are, I think we all go through times when we think, does Jesus even care about me, that all this is happening to me? I would challenge you, pray that same prayer that I prayed. Whatever it is that you're thinking, if this happens, God must not love me. Take that thing and take it to Jesus and say, Jesus, if this happens, are you still good? Let him answer you. Let him show you who he really is. It's gonna be breakthrough for you. Okay, so we've seen that when you're in the storm, there's three places you can be. Option one is walking in victory. Option two is trying to walk in victory and then get crushed by the waves and Jesus saves you. What's option three in a storm? Where were the rest of the disciples? Staying in the boat. Exactly right. They were still in the boat. Guys, y'all saw that video. Is the boat a safe place to be? No! <laughs> any, any wave could just crush that boat, but the disciples are hanging on to it like, this is my security, this is what's familiar to me. I can't get out of the boat because this is going to keep me safe. That is false security. It's, it, that boat does not have any effect <laughs> on whether they live or die. So not only were they clinging to a kind of a false hope, a false security, well, maybe this boat will stay up long enough for me to get to shore, they were missing out on getting to see Jesus work in them. Peter got to experience it. Peter got the coolest experience of all time, getting to step out and be victorious over the waves, over the very thing he thought was gonna kill him. But the disciples, I mean, they got a front row seat to an amazing miracle, but how many of you guys know that doing something and watching something are very different, right? So take the gift of prophecy. Um, I can sit here for hours and listen to each of you tell your testimonies and your stories about how God spoke a word to you and then you were able to evangelize or encourage or pray for someone prophetically. But if I don't do it, If I don't quiet my heart and and listen to the Holy Spirit and then take that word he gave me and give it to someone else and watch them get ministered to by Jesus, I I don't get to fully understand how much God loves us that he would do that, that he would use me to minister to you and then we get to have this moment together of like, thank you Jesus, how could you be this good? And we get to worship him and thank him together. That's never going to happen if I'm just watching all of you guys do it, right? So if we're staying in the boat, we're missing the life-changing opportunity to be, uh, to be engaged with Jesus and in what he's doing, and we're not safe anyways, in the boat. <laughs> so really, our only way to stop sinking is to get out of the boat, because either we're going to be victorious or Jesus is going to catch us. So, church every single one of you can take a risk and get out of the boat and obey Jesus because it's the safest option for you. What he asks you to do is always your best and safest place to be. If you are wanting to walk out in this, you might be thinking to yourself, well, okay, take a risk for Jesus. What does that mean? Am I supposed to just Go out in the street and play football and my faith is pleasing to God? No, <laughs> not at all. You have to listen to what he is asking you to do. None of the disciples got out of the boat until Jesus said, come. And then when Jesus issued the invitation, they were walking forward in obedience. They weren't just taking needless risks. They were, they were listening to what Jesus had for them and Peter was willing to say, okay, I believe that what you invite me to is the best option for me. So if you wanna walk out in this, all you have to do is ask Jesus. (laughs) And especially, you guys, especially if you're in a storm right now, if you're in a situation and you don't know what to do, that is an opportunity. A storm is an opportunity for God to do something beyond what you could ask or imagine. So if you're in a situation like that right now and you don't know what to do, ask Jesus. What would you like me to do to walk out in faith in this scenario? And his answer might not make a lot of sense or it might not be the thing you wanted him to say, but that's that's where faith comes into it, right? And if you hear something and you're like, well, that's pretty crazy, or I don't know if that was from God, We're in a community of people who love Jesus, who know his voice, and who are rooting for you. That's why we focus so much in our church on community and on these life groups so that you have a place to go of relationships, of people that you know who know Jesus' voice and who love him and who are on your side. And you can submit to them, hey, I think... God is asking me to do this. Is that crazy? Is that from him? And those people can come alongside you. They can pray for you. They can listen to Jesus for you. And most importantly, they can encourage you. Yeah, that sounds crazy, but I think it was from Jesus. And that's going to be hard, so I'm going to be here with you. I'm going to pray for you and encourage you and push you into obedience. And we're all going to get to see collectively what God would do. So if you hear his voice today, don't harden your hearts. Ask him, be willing to take a step in obedience and you are not going to regret it. So to close today, I want to issue two invitations. One, if you have never accepted Jesus, if you don't know this relationship with him where he would give everything for you and he would speak to you and he would invite you into the more that he has, we would love to pray for you and talk to you about how you can get that relationship started. And if you are in a storm and you are thinking, I don't have anywhere to turn and I want to trust Jesus, but I need help discerning his voice, same thing, we would love to pray with you. We're gonna have our prayer and prophetic team up here. Please come up at the end and receive prayer. But for all the rest of us, I'm gonna pray and then dismiss Jesus, you are so good. Thank you, God. Thank you for your perfect plan that Jesus would have all authority on heaven and earth. And Jesus, thank you for your humility and your generosity to give it away. Thank you for including us in your story. You do not have to, but you choose to let us be a part of what you're doing. Holy Spirit, would you stir our hearts to more faith? Would you speak to us and tell us how to please you, how to obey you? We are ready to respond. We want the adventure with you, Jesus. Would you make the way clear to us? And Jesus, would you show us your face now more than ever? We want to see you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.